Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Joe's Weather World, your only weather podcast dedicated to Kansas City. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Joe's Weather World Part 2 of my interview with, uh, I feel like we're becoming friends. I feel very close I, to you. I feel, I'm literally three feet away from <laughs> you. Uh, with Jill Nichols, uh, formerly from Channel 9, formerly from Channel 41. And uh, if you haven't listened to part one, I urge you to do so. Uh, you'll find out what, you know, he's a neat guy and he's, <laughs> and he's got some great stories. And we kind of were talking about in part one, at least, um, the thing that he enjoyed the most, which was his local uh, talk show, yeah, essentially. You bet. Uh, but part two now, I want to kind of spin back around to the world of weather and how much you either enjoyed that or you didn't enjoy right. that. So uh, let's go ahead and, and, and bring that up. Did you enjoy the weather aspect of what you did for a number of years, yeah. especially at Channel 9? Well, I, you know, I, I enjoyed the fact that I felt I was actually helping people mm-hmm. go about their day. Or, or, and in the years since, I mean, through those years, but especially the years since I've stopped kind of doing weather, because uh, I didn't do weather on 41 in those years, I've had a number of people who will come up and say, oh, I, you know, I miss hearing you when there's severe weather. See, now that's interesting. You know, I, me, miss, right? I miss hearing your voice when this is happening or that is happening. Uh, and, and that makes me feel both kind of good and worried about their saying. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, I feel good about that, that they say, oh, I miss you during those moments, because I always kind of felt like, you know what, I'm going to do my best to tell you what's going on. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I'm also, I don't know the science the way a lot of people know it. Uh, so... That I grew to really like the fact that maybe we were really helping people and giving them information that helped them with their day. Um, to be honest, I never, I'm not a computer guy, so I right. never fell in love with the idea of the computers. Uh, I probably know a little more about, the actual, about weather than I would ever really admit to because I did it for so mm-hmm. long. Um, and it, uh, when I was growing up in Wisconsin, there was never enough snow to stop you from doing what you were going to do. Uh, we would go out on the lake in almost any kind of weather. We Minus 25 degrees. Let's get yourself right. out there. So uh, Kids, we get out of the house, and we didn't pay that close of attention to the to the weather forecast. We right. kind of we have to do what it's we're going to do, yeah. so we did it. Um, but I think what I grew to love about or about doing the weather, or at least like about doing the weather, was the idea that maybe you're helping somebody day to day, and you're kind of imparting that. And here's the other part of it that I this is another thing I miss doing, um, and I miss doing it even when I was at 41. I used to visit schools, as you do. I used to visit schools all the time. And sometimes it had to do with career days, but most often it was weather. 
And I would go there and I would talk about how I put the maps together in the morning and, you know, what maps I try to look at and, you know, what does that big blue H mean and what's the big blue L and, you know, how, you know, these collision of air masses and all this stuff and what the jet stream is. And so I was learning a lot by having to to do this. But um, I I miss that, too. I miss that interaction uh, with students about, about that. My favorite, one of my favorite things is talking. I have a... I feel, and, and I have cats. We right. never had kids. But I love talking to roughly somewhere between second and fifth graders. Yep. Just love it, love it, love it, because they are filled with wonder. They are filled with mostly excitement. They want to tell you a story. You bet. Um Older kids, I find, are a little more challenging, especially now. I mean, it was challenging back in the day, but it's even more challenging now. But second through fifth graders, I will talk to them all day long. Yeah. Well, I I think that you're right in that sweet spot because my wife is a teacher and the best teacher on the planet, and she happens to teach second grade this year. She taught third grade, and I, when she was talking about what grade do you think I should, you know, if I have a choice, mm-hmm. and I said third grade is the best. I just right. think it's this great grade because you're, you're, you still are filled with this wonder. You're not quite cynical yet. Correct. Uh, you <laughs> a know, couple of years away from that. And yet you're smart enough to get a lot of the jokes, mm-hmm. so you'll get the jokes, you know. Yeah. And uh, so I think that is a great second through fourth or fifth. That's mm-hmm. a great spot. And and I did I enjoyed that a lot. I enjoyed visiting schools a lot. Obviously, the the older the kids get, at least to me, then then I start kind of spinning around to the careers and uh, the right. career and money, and they're always interested in the money aspect <laughs> right. of things. Uh, but boy, yeah, second through fifth graders. All right. So, y- do you miss covering severe weather, I, or could you? never have to worry about covering severe weather for the rest of your life. I, I don't miss it a lot. Yeah, neither do you. You know, I, I, here's the thing. It, it changed. The coverage of severe weather changed in the years that I did weather. When Elmer Childress and I were doing weather in Madison, we really, especially Elmer, had a lot of say about are we cutting in or not cutting mm-hmm. in? Are we going to stay on the air or not stay in the air? And the, the management at the time gave him a lot of, you know, you know, what you should do or not do. Right. And we did not necessarily go wall to wall for everything. And uh, when I started at nine, the attitude was pretty um, even keeled, I thought. You know, mm-hmm. this is, there was a change somewhere in the midst of all this, though, where all of a sudden everything had to is be something. major. Yeah. And, and, uh, uh, and I will say that, you know, Busby and I used to say to people, I mean, the, the later management people, we have to be careful here because, and Brian Busby's a very good friend. Mm-hmm. Here's roommate of yours. Yeah, back from in college the day, days. from college. Yeah. But, you know, we would say we need to be careful here because if we are saying everything is the end of the world, then when there is something serious, will they listen See, to I, us? See, I'm a big believer in that yeah. philosophy. You need to have some credibility many here. Reasons, yeah. so I, um, I, So in the early days, it was just a different way of, of covering it. And the weather person had much more control over about how do we cover it. It wasn't necessarily driven by a consultant or by right. news or whatever. It was driven by the reality of the weather. And I, I mean, in those toward the end, when it felt like you were almost always on call, even if it was just an old-fashioned thunder shower, I don't miss that part. Yeah, <laughs> I, and, I, and I would agree. Is this story true? 
I, I think Brian had told me this. And, and I, I remember the day, to a certain extent, this would have been back in the 90s at some point, and I think at the time you were doing weekends. I don't know if you were filling in or right. whatever. And it was uh, Palm Sunday. Yeah. Oh, that's true. <laughs> and we had uh, thunderstorms coming through. Right. And I don't remember if they issued tornado warnings or what, but I do remember and I do know, and I think it's still true, that every Palm Sunday, ABC televises the Ten Commandments. Right. And I forget if it was him, Brian telling me this or you telling Anyway, that you had to do a long form cut in for something over the Ten Commandments. Right. And the viewer reaction to that was? Well, this I'm trying to think of the timing of this because there was email by this time. Okay. We, we could get, I mean, I could get instant feedback. Right. It wasn't as sophisticated as now, but I could get that. Because, um, but I would have to, during the Ten Commandments, which is like 10 hours long, but it goes on and on and on. On and on. Um, and there were actual tornadoes uh, sighted over by um, the Speedway or where the Speedway is now or whatever, but uh, so in the KCK area. And so, but initially it was just severe thunderstorm warning mm-hmm. and the tornado watch and whatever. And so I would try to cover the brakes. So, uh, and the control room was great. So we would try to just cover the brakes and not cover the content. But at a certain point, we had to you cover have to. because right. part, you know, your KCK is under the gun for this stuff. So I would cut in and I would give the information. And now, in this day and age, they would have gone wall to wall, and everybody would have come into work. Right. But this was before that time, so I was by myself. The, the guys and the, uh, the men and women in the control booth and me, and so. I didn't feel I needed to stay on, uh, but I would have to cut in for extended periods. And I would cut in, and I would end up covering, you know, a couple of commandments. And uh, I would get, at first, I I got this message from somebody saying, my family and I, our tradition is to sit and watch this movie, and you are really messing it up. Please don't do that. So I responded and said, I'm sorry. I'll try to keep it to a minimum. But then it got longer and longer. And the the response from this particular viewer got more and more um, profane, and obscene, and, and you know, breaking at least three out of ten, <laughs> just in his words to me, and so, uh, you know, <laughs> um, and so it just was fascinating to me because uh, he's watching the Ten Commandments with his family. It's a tradition. We're in this holy time of the year, clearly for his tradition. And Easter a week away. Oh man, he is just furious with me. <laughs> and so I said, when I after everything finally blew through, and I, I see his final message, which was basically telling me to, to perform a miracle on myself that I don't think is physically possible. I'm pretty sure you can't pretty do what you sure. wanted me to do. Right. Um, you know, part in the, ten, the Red Sea, easier than what he and wanted what he me wanted to, do. to do. on right. that particular night. Uh, so I uh, responded and I said, I'm very sorry, but, you know, we do have lives that could have been in danger, and if it was in your backyard, we right. would have done it. Um, and by the way, you can go to the library and check the Ten Commandments <laughs> out. You know, you can do that. You can do that. Um, but, yeah, that was interesting. He was just furious with me. And it just got r- rougher and rougher. It's it's a story that uh, I will repeat <laughs> to this day um, because of, you know, sometimes you, you think you're doing the right thing and you're ticking off people. I've got uh, 
my own stories of cutting over. It was back in the day when we were covering cops, or we had cops right. for a Fox show, and I had to jump on about something. And you would have thought I shot the Pope. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you covered something important you, to them. Right. <laughs> My goodness. But I mean, that was a, you know, that just. And it's still a challenge. I mean, even to this day, it's still a challenge. And I think that, you know, in in this day, at least viewers usually have an option. If you Mm -hmm. have to blow out their whole show, oftentimes there will be a way to see it again or they'll have an option. Uh, Back when this all happened with Ten Commandments, it really was like once a year, the Ten Commandments. And if I screwed up his Ten Commandments, (laughs) that was it for him. Because he wasn't going to the library. <laughs> and he wasn't going to go to church. Forget that. Right. And there was no church coming. This was his so way this of was, getting yeah. his church for the year. Yep, absolutely. So, um, But over the years, I was pretty lucky. I, 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 most viewers have always been very kind and mm-hmm. you know forgiving about when you have to cut in or whatever. Um, but I kind of learned my lesson early on as far as how serious giving the right forecast is, or at least giving it at your best and not being flip about it. In Madison, one weekend, I said, it's going to be a beautiful uh, weekend. Said that I, I guess I must have been filling in for Elmer because it was like a Friday or something. And I said, beautiful weekend. Tomorrow's going to be gorgeous. Great Saturday. Get out and have fun, yada, yada, yada. I got a call that night um, from a viewer who said, I just want to make sure I got your forecast right because my daughter is getting married tomorrow, and it's an outdoor ceremony, and you're telling me it's going to be beautiful. I said, absolutely. I mean, sunshine, beautiful day. Well, for whatever reason, probably because I misread something or, you know, it's, I, I don't know. It turned out to be a terrible day. Right. It rained. It was cold. It was not good. And I go on the air that night and I say, hey, I'm, <laughs> I missed this one. <laughs> and I get a call the next day, Sunday, from this father of the bride. Who's, and he was very mellow and calm about it. He said, yes, I called you on Friday. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I missed one. I missed that one. And he said, you need to understand that when you say something, a lot of us really will pay attention. And this turned out to be a horrible day because I was so convinced you were right. And I thought, wow, that's more responsibility than I would have given myself. And so I did take it from that point on, very early on. I thought, you know what? You can be as folksy and jovial and make jokes and everything. But when it comes right down to it, you better get this right, mm-hmm. or as close to right as you can get it, because people do plan. People on are it. figuring this Absolutely. out. Absolutely, absolutely, and they're counting on you. I've got, uh, you know, I think anybody who has done, obviously, anybody who's done, whether in a public setting, whether it be radio, television, right. whatever, we've got our horror stories. We've got our sure. What the heck was I thinking? Or sometimes, you know, I try to try to communicate the fact that what we try to do is predict things that don't exist. <laughs> I mean, that's what, in essence, we do a lot of the time. Right. And, you know, I think I've had a few, certainly, more than a few, uh, but a few, couple of years ago, there was one event, it was a snow, and usually it's either rain or snow, obviously, that's the big right. thing. And I was underestimating something or the potential of something. And, I mean, even that morning, it was a Sunday morning, eh, we might get a little snow, maybe an inch, and it just poured down snow and turned the roads into a mess. <laughs> and it was the first time that I felt that I should apologize right. publicly. Right. You know, say, you know what? I blew it and I should have looked something deeper. Right. And I was surprised by the viewer feedback because you don't often hear 
Now, I don't think we need to apologize for every single thing. Right. But you don't often hear from viewers saying, you know what? I've never seen a weatherman apologize. It's yeah, like wonderful. That. And, you know, knock on wood, there are no more apologies <laughs> coming down the pike. <laughs> but um, I thought it was an interesting. Thing no, absolutely. That happened. I think that goes a long way for viewers. I think so too. I really think you. I think that was a smart thing to do, and I think it makes a lot of sense. I, I've always, when I was doing weather, I all, and I would tell people this when I would speak to groups or even on television. I would say, hey, in my experience, the hardest thing to predict is how much snow you're going to get. Right. I might be able to tell you it's going to snow. Right. <laughs> absolutely. But to try to give you how many inches of snow, that's a tough thing to to do. There are so many variables that come into this, and you know, so I always kind of felt that that was a tough thing to do anyway. I, you're absolutely you know, right. And, and it still is. I mean, we have gotten so much better data and models and all this stuff has so improved over the last five years, 10 years, 20 years, whatever. And it's still, I don't want to say impossible because we've done it pretty well for years, but right. it's still holy man. Well, things change, and things you can, change, yeah. and things move. And I was driving in the car once uh, with it's, uh, uh, we have my wife and I have four kids, and I think all four of them were in the car, and my wife was in the drive or on the passenger side, and I'm driving, and I think our daughter would have been about I don't know four years old or something, and so we're driving, and that I had done, I did this news that morning, I did the weather on Channel Line, and I got home fairly early because we were heading somewhere. And we all get in the car, in the van, and we're driving, and these little snowflakes start falling. And my daughter said, did you say this this morning? I said, yeah, I said it might snow today. The more we drive, all of a sudden the snowflakes are like size of 50-cent yeah. pieces, and it's just, just snowing. And she kind of leaned forward and goes, did you say this? <laughs> and I said, no. Perceptive girl she is. <laughs> I didn't do this. Didn't, I'm wrong on this one. But I think that what you did is, I think that goes a long way. I think then viewers go, okay, well, you know what? He takes his responsibility seriously, right. and you know he he's knew that this was a blown one, and he just fessed and up. It to just it. happens. Yeah. What I try to equate it to is is you know if your neighborhood gets a quarter of an inch of rain, and my neighborhood gets a half an inch of rain, and downtown gets one inch of rain, nobody cares. <laughs> but you switch around that to snow, and that's yeah. two to ten inches of snow, and people right. care. Absolutely, people care. It, it, it's a struggle from a tech. Technology standpoint, back in when you were doing weather, back when I started doing weather in the mid '80s, uh, it's changed. Huge. Difference. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, do you think that helps tell the weather story better, or not? I think if you use it wisely, it can. Mm -hmm. But I think too often it doesn't. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes the technology gets in the way of just saying what's, gonna what's really going to really happen and what's happening. Right? And uh, I think that the um, the other thing I was always fascinated by is when I first started doing weather and the technology was very, I mean, our good friends, the late, great Dan Henry and others would say, oh, no, you had it. <laughs> you were better than the uh, Velcro sunshine, mm -hmm. but, I don't know. Uh, but not much better. Uh, but the technology when I first started compared to today is uh, leaps and bounds. However, I found that every time they introduced something new to the weather center, it meant I was going to have to take more time. Right. It wasn't like a time saver so that I could think about how to tell this or it becomes it's even more, you know, yes. and all of a sudden the technology isn't really helping you with your time management. It's sucking more time. So then uh, 
I think then that takes away from the idea of, okay, how do I want to tell mm-hmm. the story a little bit? So I think it can, if it's used wisely, I think it can be a great tool like anything else. But I don't, I really don't know. Um, I, I did weather once when we had a power outage, and this may have been in Wisconsin, actually not here. And so I really l- did do the old-fashioned thing with a uh, magnet board and putting, we found old, th- and I did it in the very old-fashioned way. Right. But I think I, the information was still good. It's still good. <laughs> it's still good. So uh, I think that that makes it. But I never, like I say, the technology, I don't think I ever learned to use it as well as uh, I probably should have, and certainly not as well as some people use it today. But I think you are onto something that it might get in the way more than help. I think uh, when it comes to severe weather, God forbid you're tracking tornadoes or whatever, technology in the big scheme of things, probably has helped tremendously. Absolutely. Uh, I was just asked the other day, I spoke to a group, and at the end of it, they were asking questions, and they said, do you think that uh, forecasting the weather is any better now than it was when you started? <clears throat> and what I told them, and I may be completely wrong mm-hmm. on this, and you can correct me, but what I told them was that in a severe weather situation, it is so much better. Uh, totally. And I said, all of these people who are on TV that are going to show you this – you are getting s- such great information compared to 35 years ago or whatever. And it's, ex- it's, uh, it's real time, and it's telling you the streets. I mean, it is really good. But I said, on the other hand, if somebody, in my opinion, tries to tell you that a 10-day forecast is necessarily significantly better than it was, no. I'm not sure that's true. Yeah, <laughs> no. Um, you know, you could probably get away with some of that type of stuff during the summer. Yeah. You know, but now well, that... Well, high pressure builds in and nothing happens. Right, right. <laughs> uh, but, boy, you get into those, se- you know, the seasonal changes, and good yeah. luck with Well, the that. professor of uh, meteorology at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, who gave me the bad grade, and then I dumped, uh, he, s- he said in one of his early lectures... Uh, and he was very anti-TV weather person. That was mm-hmm. not his bad. Not his deal. He was a scientist. and you know. But he said, any of these people on TV, and of course at that point I never was going to do weather on TV anyway. Right. So no. he said, Why would you want to do that? No. 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 How come I would do that? No. Uh, but he said, uh, these TV weather people, if you, they get much beyond the two days out, ignore them. Yeah. He said, they get to the third day and beyond, it's a crapshoot. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, to this day, if somebody... A viewer or something maybe didn't hear that. Maybe they read something about that back in the 1970s or something, and it stuck with them. They will throw it at you yeah. 40 years later. Yep. They'll say, I remember reading back in the day that never trust anything past two days. I'm like, well, we're a little better now. I think it is better, but yeah. I think it's especially better in the severe weather situation. Yeah, absolutely. Hugely better. And that's where technology, whether it's the coverage of it, the chopper right. coverage of it, uh, the pinpointing of the town, that has absolutely I think that's absolutely right. gotten a lot better. All right. Uh, so I don't want to finish this off without finding out what you're up to now. Television, talk show, well, I think that was one part of I've your been fired life. by at least two things. <laughs> yeah. So what do you do? What are, what are you doing these days? Uh, well, uh, before I tell you that, because there's not much to tell. Okay. Um, but I used to walk into, and I told uh, our mutual friend Brian Busby. He said, "Tell him this story." So I'm going to tell you this. Story. Oh, okay. Uh, I used to go into a price chopper. Maybe I've told this story to you. Anyway, I would go into a price chopper out where we used to live, um, and uh, I would walk in, and this uh, person who was helping bag groceries and work at this uh, 
a man, and he was a full adult man, was, and he would look at me and he'd go, Joe Loria. Oh, my gosh. And I'd say, hi. I never corrected him because I thought, well, he thinks I'm Joe Laurie, and that's fine. I'd say, hi, how you doing? I'm so sorry you know? for you. And, but every time I would walk in, no matter where he was in the store, if he saw me, Joe Laurie. <laughs> and, so, and then I would get into the lane to check out, and he would always be in the lane that I was going to check out because he wanted to talk about weather. Interesting. And he would say, Joe Laurie. Is it going to rain as much as they're saying? And I would say, well, and I would give him my best, whatever I had said that morning, <laughs> I would try to say. And, you know, well, I hear that it's going to be a really cold, snowy winter, Joe Laurie. And he always used your full name, wow. Joe Laurie. And, and I would say, well, you know, and I thought to myself, I could really make Joe sound horrible. You could probably <laughs> do that, right? <laughs> But I, th- and I miss the guy now because we don't go to that store anymore. And but every time I'd go that in, is and, like with my, with my kids were with me, they'd see him and they'd go get ready. And sure enough, boom, Joe <laughs> Loria. And your name is so melodic that he would just almost he would it. just ramble it off. It was sort of like a, hilarious. A it was great. Yeah, that's um, funny. As far but what happened? I so I left Channel Nine because they mm-hmm. said please leave. And then uh, I went to four, 41, rather, um, and then. When I got done there, uh, I tried to kind of get a regular job, just a job. Right. Uh, nobody really was that interested. <laughs> Cricket. Cricket. And, yeah. Cricket. So um, we started this little Joel Nichols Communications Company, and basically we do like media consulting. If and I've done a little bit of that. Like a company will call and say, "I want you to talk to my folks." You know, we're trying to communicate more and more over social media, and we want some help on how to speak to a camera and how to talk into a microphone and all. Uh, so we do some of that. I do a lot of, um, you know, Facebook Live kind of things for different places. I do some things for KU Med is a great group of people to work with and Union Station. So I'll do things for them as far as like their social media presence, not unlike what I did on television, mm-hmm. but it just happens to be on uh, social media. Um, I still teach out at Johnson County Community College, uh, and I MC things and you know kind of keep my Can't hand in there when they want me to do that. So in some weeks. Uh, one thing that's difficult for me is because I was so used to, for so many years, getting up at like 1 in the morning, oh my gosh. getting dressed, going to work, doing television. You know, by noon, I'd go home, and maybe that night I'd have a personal appearance. Maybe I wouldn't. Weekends, I'd have something. Maybe I wouldn't. But I had a very def- defined sort of situation. Now, when you do this freelance stuff, this week I happen to have three things that are actually going to pay me some money. That's Good. pretty nice. But other weeks, you know, it'll be very, very quiet. Right. And so there's this adjustment uh, that you have to kind of get used to the fact that, okay, I'm watching Rockford Files, <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> it's okay that I'm watching this. I used to love the Rockford Files. <laughs> so I can watch this. And, and so there is, uh, you know, and when this all first happened, my wife said, how come you're not reading anything right now? Because I read, I, w- I love to read. And I said, I feel guilty sitting here at 10 in the morning reading a book. Mm-hmm. I was always at work doing something. And she said, no, 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 you're still working. It's just you're doing it in these spurts, you know? Right. And so uh, that's taken some getting used to, to kind of get used to the fact that you might have this week where it's pretty busy and you've got stuff to do, and and, uh, that's kind of fun. On the other hand, uh, you'll have a stretch where it's very quiet. So if people want to get a hold of you to enhance their social media, to see a particular function... Yeah, or if they need a speaker at something or whatever, uh, it is joelnicholscommunications.com. Okay. All one word. Uh, and you can go there. Uh, and also, I still have a Facebook page, um, which I think if you just search Joel Nichols, it goes to that one probably. Okay. Uh, but uh, it's, been, it's been interesting because I just was not really having much luck with sort of just getting a PR job. Mm-hmm. 
or anything like that. I, and so I had a number of people who would say, why don't you just do your own thing? And so we kind of started to do that. And it, like I say, it's a learning experience. Enjoying and it? I did a I did a podcast for about a year, which we're not sure we're we're not sure we're going to do anymore. But it was you know I had some interesting people on that over that year too. Mm-hmm. Which, and this format is so interesting because there really See, is I not, love this. not a beginning or there's an end. no producer in your ear saying rap right. or anything. Exactly, it is know? a very and so when we did uh, this, I, and you can still find it on iTunes and places. It's called You Should Talk with Me, <laughs> uh, and so um, but you can find it. And we had. You know, Jasper from Jasper's yeah. did one, and Busby did one, and, uh, you know, Chris Ketz and Dana Wright did one, and Johnny Dare did our very first one. So there are a lot of good local folks on that. And uh, and we may go back and do that again. That one kind of, with my daughter got married this summer, and the person who produces my podcast was very busy too, so we've kind of let that mm-hmm. slide. But so kind of just keeping oars in the water and moving Good around day. and seeing Joe Nichols Communications.com. Dot com. Yep, it's a website, Joe. And I and if that doesn't work, I'm changing my name to Joe Mario. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I want you to make some money in your life, though. No, I probably wouldn't do that. Joel, thank you, buddy. Thank you. Appreciate the stories. Appreciate me. your time. Uh, that'll do it for part two of our visit with Joel Nichols. <laughs> oh, I uh, thank you so much for listening to Joe's Weather World. We're going to wrap it up here. Uh, we've got some other guests coming up down the pike. We hope you uh, keep it tuned. We'll give you updates as we get closer. Joel, thank you again, my friend. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.